Our scripture reading for today is Ephesians 2, 8, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Listen now to the word of the Lord. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The word of the Lord. Today is Pastor Richard Lee. Pastor Richard is a sought-after speaker on the issues of justice and violence, speaking across the globe for the last 20 years. His passion for speaking has also led him to the TEDx stage, where he gave a talk titled, Slavery Still Exists, Here's How to End It. He has been a featured speaker at the Justice Conference and the New Wineskins Conference, among others. In his role as Global Officer of Public Engagement with International Justice Mission, he trains and equips IGM staff and survivors to carry the message of ending injustice on the global stage. Before joining IGM, Richards, uh, Pastor Richards served 20 years in pastoral ministry and currently serves as teaching faculty at High Rock Church in Boston. Additionally, he is the host of the Pursuit with Richard Lee, a podcast with unfiltered conversations with faith leaders about their journey to pursue God. He also works with the Asian American Christian Collaborative as their Director of Advancement and serves as an advisory board member for One Day's Wages, a global poverty organization. Please welcome Pastor Lee. Check. Hello. Uh, it's good to be with all of you here today. Um, I've actually known Pastor David uh, many, many years. Uh, I think I heard him preach when I was in college, which was like the late 20th century. Um, but uh, yeah, so just to you know, be able to see him still in ministry and being able to hear, be here with all of you and support uh, him and this church, especially during his time of sabbatical. Having been a pastor, having gone on sabbatical, I cannot understate how important it is for these moments of rest and rejuvenation for pastors. So I please uh, really implore all of you to pray for him, support him, keep the church going, let it be more vibrant uh, when he returns than it was when he left. Um, that is probably the best gift you can give to your pastor uh, during this time. Um, well, I appreciate all of you showing up to church on this holiday weekend. July 4th weekend is a time of travel and uh, celebration and gathering. It's also a time for movies. So many movies have uh, hit the box office during this weekend. Things like, well, Independence Day, Transformers, Spider-Man movies throughout the years. Um, and, uh, you know, as we think about movies, before we get started into the meat of the sermon, what I'd like to do is actually do a little bit of an exercise. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the plot of a movie, and then I'm going to ask you to guess what movie it's from. So it's going to be very simple. I'll pick very popular movies, so these should be all very easy for you. The first one is that movie where a psychologist counsels a patient despite a growing distance in his marriage. 
Anyone know? The Sixth Sense. You guys remember? Yeah, the psychologist. Okay, well, all right. That, maybe that was a little confusing. Okay, how about this one? A ruthless and bitter guy goes on a quest to find some gems. Infinity War. Did you guys not see these movies? Uh, this is really fascinating. Okay, last one's very easy, very, very easy, very simple. A guy and a girl meet and go dancing on a boat. Titanic, Titanic. Now, you guys are really bad at this game, um, but you're actually probably sitting there going, I'm not sure that he has seen these movies, or at least not seen them all the way through, because if I were summarizing those movies, I'm pretty sure I would not say the statements that he says. You see, I'm only giving you a little glimpse into the story. I'm only giving you half of the story of these movies. And so for us to be able to appreciate the full breadth of these movies, you have to tell the full story of these movies. And you know, that's understandable for us to not understand what movies we're talking about if we're only getting half of the story. We have to get the full story. And what is true of Marvel movies is also true of the gospel of God as well. What I mean by that is this, we cannot understand the gospel. And by gospel, we mean the message of Christ, the fundamental message of what we believe as Christians, we cannot believe in a full understanding of the gospel if we are only telling half of the story. We have to tell the full story of the gospel. And so I want to show with all of us here today a little bit of a glimpse of the whole full story of the gospel. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, listen, man, you're the new guy and you don't go part of, you know, you're not part of this church. We know the, the full story. We know the gospel. We already know what the whole deal is. And so if I handed a microphone around this room and I said, please tell me basically the, the, the story of the gospel, I imagine that, that many of us would say something along the lines of like bad news and good news, right? Uh, you'd say bad things are happening and good things are happening. The bad, uh, we would say, is like rebellion and sin and death, basically what we call the fall of mankind when sin entered the world. Now, for the good, you would say, well, there's redemption, and then there's Jesus' death on the cross, and there's eternal life in redemption. Jesus' death on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins. If I pass the microphone around, more, like, more likely we would find that the story would basically be around this bad and good story. And what we would basically find is that most of us would say something along the lines of the, the story of the gospel is around fall and redemption. Fall and redemption. And the fact is, I don't need to pull the room because I've lived this fall redemption narrative I grew up in the church. I've led people in the church. I went to seminary to gain the credentials to pastor a church and then went on for a 20-year career in the church. And I believed in this fall and redemption narrative of Scripture. I've taught this fall and redemption narrative. I've taught passages like Colossians 1, where it says this, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Look at that. That's... That that right there 
is the bad news. That's the fall. You were alienated from God. Enemies in your minds, evil behavior. And what's the good news? What's the redemption part of it? Well, now you have been reconciled by God through Christ's physical body, through death, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. I've taught passages like Ephesians 2, where it says this, as, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Dead, transgressions, sins. And then it says, but because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. These are passages that we have read, that we have memorized, that we have studied, that we have been preached to about. We know these Verses. We know this story. Now, friends, before you get up and leave and send an angry email, I am not saying that fall and redemption, that these are not true. I'm not saying that fall and redemption are not vital pieces of the gospel narrative. Rather, it's quite the opposite. What I am saying is that the fall and redemption are absolutely vital pieces of the gospel narrative. But what I'm saying is that they are not the only pieces of the gospel narrative. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm saying they're not the only things that are important. What I'm saying is that we need to know that the fallen redemption of the, of the scriptures, of the gospel, is only half the story. The problem with knowing just half the story is that we cannot fully know God if we're only looking at half the story. We cannot look at our Bibles and only look at half of the story that is found in the scriptures. If we are reading the Bible and only seeing the fall and redemption, we're not seeing the full story of the book of the Bible and the gospel that God has for us. So what am I talking about here? Well, you see, the Bible does not begin in Genesis chapter 3. Right? It begins with Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see what? Creation. Creation. So you see, the gospel that we need to understand first is with this idea of creation. It does, before the fall, there is the story of creation. We were created by God as part of his good creation. God spoke and light came to be and he called it good. God spoke and he created land and water and he called it good. God spoke and when the land produced vegetation and trees and fruit, God called it good. And God spoke the sun, moon, and stars into the sky and he called them good. God spoke, created the fish and the birds and all the animals that move along the ground and God saw it and called it good. But when God first created the first human. He didn't just speak. He formed Adam out of the dust. It says literally sculpted. And God saw his creation and called it very good. That, that term very good is actually uh, the sense of distinguishing from just good. He was saying it was very good, di distinguishingly good from everything else that had been created. So you understand that we are part of God's created work and that we were handcrafted and deemed very good. And if Etsy has taught us anything, that there is a significant markup for handcrafted, right? We were hand-sculpted by God and deemed very good. 
You, I, the human race, we were deemed very good because God created us so. But that is not all that we need to understand about creation. You see, after God created us, he put us to work. Now, not everyone here probably has a healthy relationship with the word work, and I understand that. Um, maybe you don't like your job. Maybe you resent the amount of schoolwork that you have. Maybe you're looking forward to Monday because you don't have to do any work. Maybe the word housework or schoolwork or job work doesn't spark joy in anyone's hearts. But we may not feel the joy of having to do work here on this earth. But when God puts Adam and Eve in the middle of this garden on this new earth, he gives it to him and he says to work the land, to rule over it and to care for it. So don't miss this. Our God-ordained purpose from the very beginning of creation was to care for and cultivate the earth. To work it, to rule over it, and to care for it. That's why when we get to heaven, we will not actually just be standing around and worshiping like we did this morning, but we will actually be working. Why? Because work was part of the original created order. God created us to work. Now you're thinking, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to work in heaven. Right? I work on earth. I don't want to work in heaven. But understand this. The reason why we have that relationship, that contentious relationship with work, is a result of the curse, result of the fall. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve fell, God cursed them and said, You will have toil in your work. So understand this: the work is not the curse. The hard work, the toil in your work is the curse. So part of the original creation is for us to do work. In other words, we were, meant to be con we were not meant to be just consumers of societies, but we are called to be cultivators of society, the ones who improve and develop and nurture society. Cultivators, not just consumers. If we understand creation, then we understand that we are tasked with making sure that this earth, that this society, that this world is right, that all is right in the world. So this is the first part of the story of the gospel, is this word creation. We were created by God to be the ones to do the work to keep things right in the world. So when you understand creation in part of this full story of the gospel, then we understand the fall. We can understand the fall in the context of the original created order. You see, the fall is not just an individual violation of a personal code of conduct. The, the fall is not just an isolated, narrow-scoped infraction of the best practices of being a Christian. No, the fall, once you understand creation, the fall is a fundamental violation of the created order. It is a vast upheaval of the very purpose of humanity. The fall is humankind no longer living for what we were created to do. You see, God created us to take care of this world, to make things right. And so the fall is actually humankind no longer doing what we were created to do, to make things right in the world. With only a half 
story, understanding of the gospel, we begin to think that the fall is just the sins that I commit. The bad things that I do, well, you know what? I give into anger too much or I give into jealousy too much or pride or lust or hatred. So when we understand creation, we see the establishment of humanity's place in the created world order to make and work for things to be right. And so the fall is the inversion of that order. The fall is the violation of that identity, not just my individual sins. Not any more than Infinity Wars about a guy looking for gems. If we're going to talk about the fall, we have to understand it in the full story of creation as well. So now, when we talk about fall and redemption, the the half story that we talked about, you begin to see where it fits into the full story of the gospel. Now, I don't actually have time to go in-depth to fall and redemption as a narrative, but honestly, this is the part of the gospel story that we spend so much time already talking about. You could go on YouTube and you could Google any search, uh, any sermon about the cross, and you will find more likely than not a sermon about the fall and redemption narrative. But make make sure you understand this that I am not saying that the fall and redemption do not matter. I'm not saying that fall and redemption do not, I'm not saying fall and redemption don't matter. What I'm saying is fall and redemption matter in the full context of where we need to put it in the whole story of the gospel. Creation, God created us, very good, tasked us with cultivating the earth righteousness, goodness, and justice in the world. And the fall was the introduction of sin and the upheaval of the very purpose of why we were living. So how does creation and fall help us understand redemption? Creation, fall, and redemption. Well, you see, redemption is what? Jesus' death on the cross for us. Well, we understand now, if we understand redemption, we understand that redemption is not just simply a forgiveness of my past sins. It's not just satisfying the judgment against my individual sins, but rather it is also a realignment of how I live. It's a restoration of the original created order. If we understand fall and redemption only, then we think of the fall as the bad things that I do, and I look at Jesus' death on a cross and say, well, Jesus, thank you so much for dying for my individual sins if in this half story of fallen redemption. But when you put it in the context of creation, the fall is not just about my sins. It is about the inversion of humanity to do what God originally created us to do. And then you put redemption into that context and you realize that Jesus was not just saying, hey, Richard, try harder. What he was saying is, I'm going to make things right in the world and I'm going to realign how humanity lives and you are going to be a part of that. So Jesus' death on the cross was not just saying, like, oh, it's okay. No, he was saying, you were created for something bigger and better, and I'm going to realign and restore all of that you were created for. That's why Jesus dies on the cross. Not just to say, oh, you know, you're going to escape the punishment. No, he's reestablishing, realigning the created order. In other words, redemption ushered in a renewal of purpose. 
Redemption ushers in a renewal of purpose. And this is the fourth part and final part of this full story of the gospel. Creation, fall, redemption, renewal. When we understand this idea of renewal, then we begin to understand that redemption is not just saying we were saved from the fall. Redemption is not just saying you were, your past is forgiven, but not just from the fall, but for renewal. You're not just saved from your sins, but you are saved for the work of renewal. And what is this work of renewal? Well, it goes back to creation. It goes back to saying that we must be cultivators of the world. We must make things right and good and just in the world. That's why we were created. And then we messed it up with the fall. But Jesus died and restored us and renewed us, given us the work of renewal to say we will now once again be the ones that bring this righteousness, goodness, and justice into the world. You can't just say, well, my redemption was just so that I will, you know, not have the punishment of my sins. We need to recognize that this is just a half-story understanding. The full story of the gospel says that we were saved for a purpose, and that purpose is renewal. In other words, Jesus says, we wa I, I want you to stop sinning, yes, but I also want you to work and to rule and to care for the world, to cultivate it and make, it, make things right in the world. Is it any wonder that the first two chapters of this Bible start, the chapters on creation, start with humans in a garden on the earth working and tasked with making things right in the world? The first two chapters begin with humans in a garden on the earth working to make things right in the world. And the last two chapters of your Bible end with humans back in a new garden on a new earth having completed the work of God's renewal. It's the renewal of the created order of the full story of the gospel. Pastor and theologian Tim Keller says this, says, Revelation 21-22 makes it clear that the ultimate purpose of redemption is not to escape the material world, but to renew it. God's purpose is not only saving individuals, but also inaugurating a new world based on justice, peace, and love. And what it takes me 30 minutes to say, he says in two sentences. So if you don't believe me, you can believe him. But have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered that at the moment of salvation, Right? Those of us who have put our faith in Christ and in the cross, have you ever wondered that at that moment we aren't just taken up to heaven? Why? I mean, right? I mean, there's probably been some person at a retreat that, you know, prays the prayer and then is sort of like, is this it? Like, do I just, you know, straight up to heaven? Why? Why, are we, why do we stay here? If the purpose of our gospel is just to be redeemed, then at the moment of redemption, let's go. Or is there a greater purpose? Is there more for us to say we're not just saved from our sins, but we're saved for renewal? And so then because we don't get taken up, we are now tasked with the work of renewal. We are tasked with doing the work of righteousness, goodness, and justice. 
let's not make the mistake that this idea of creation and this idea of renewal are only found in the first two chapters or the last two chapters of the Bible. These are themes that are actually woven throughout all of the Bible. And if we begin to bring into focus the full story of the gospel, you will begin to see it more as you read through scripture. So you remember those two passages that we looked at uh, first. So when we looked at Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, you see alienated, enemies, evil behavior, and then you see reconciled, holy, without blemish. Well, if you understand the full story of the gospel, you put this uh, context of 21 and 22 into the context of verses 16 through 20, which says this, for in Christ, all things were created. All things have been created through him and for him. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. For in Christ, all things were created all things have been created through him and for him. It's all through him and for him. And so after the work of renewal, the purpose of why we live is to reconcile all things to him. And notice it says all things, not just individual Christians, not believers at the point of salvation, but all things. The purpose of our gospel is for us to bring all things into this renewal that God has for us because we were created in him through him and for him we do the work of reconciling all things back to him so you could see this expanded view of the gospel well what about Ephesians 2 where it says as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins but he made us but because of his great love God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ so again with this full story you begin to see how verses 8 uh, verses 1 through 5 gets put in the context of verses 8 through 10 which was actually read for us today Verses 8 through 10 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And if we're being honest, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is probably a verse that you've written on a post-it note, you've underlined in your Bible, you've memorized, you've studied, you've done tons of work on verses 8 through 9. We know we're talking about the gospel, but how many times do we put verse 10 in the context of 8 and 9? What does it say in verse 10? It says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 cannot say it any more clearly. For we are God's handiwork, which means handcrafted, right? It's that whole Etsy thing. We were handcrafted, deemed very good. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do the work of of goodness, to do the work of righteousness. And so then when we get to this idea of redemption and we get to the point of renewal, we are, we are saved for the good work of renewal, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 says the whole point of the gospel is for us to continue to do the work that God originally created, handcrafted us to do. Are we beginning to see it? Are we beginning to see this full story of the gospel?
The reason why we are saved by grace, the reason why we are redeemed is to do the work of renewal, to reestablish the created world order. Now, again, I am not saying that fall and redemption are not vital pieces, but what I'm saying is we need to understand this in the context of the overall full story of the gospel. Creation, fall, redemption, and renewal. We were created originally to do the good work of God, but because of the fall, we've seen this upheaval and inversion of the purpose of why we live. But Jesus' death on the cross was the reestablishment of that, the resetting of our purpose. And it's not just being saved from our sins, but being saved for the good work of renewal. Friends, this is why when you as Christians, when you as humans hear a story of violence or of assault or of you hear stories of the rise of anti-Asian hate and you see video after video of a senseless attack on a vulnerable Asian elderly person, there is something that aches in your heart. And it's not because you just look at this video and you go, well, that person sinned. No, you're saying there's something that is not right in the world when we see something like this. When we watch the news, when we, when we see and read the articles about the stories that are happening in our world and in our country, we begin to feel this pit in our stomach when we say this is not right. You're not, understand this, you're not just saying oh, well, you know, that, that person sinned or that's unfortunate or this is a, a display of the depravity of human beings. No, you're saying there's something that is just in violation of the way things should be. This is an evidence of the fall creating an inversion and a violation of the original created order. And this is also why when you speak out for good and when you speak out for the side of justice and you give voice to those whose voices have been silenced it feels right it feels good it feels like you have some sort of establishment under your feet that you don't normally have and the reason why is because you are doing that work of renewal you are reestablishing the created world order it's that feeling of satisfaction that you feel at the end of the Avengers movie, right? When everything is made right in the world. That is that work of renewal. We are doing the work that God originally created us to do. That is why we, as the church, as the believers and followers of Christ, must be the first ones into these moments of crisis. We should be the ones showing up and speaking out in our communities for justice and for peace and for good. As Sarah mentioned, I, I work for a global uh, human rights organization and we work on the front lines of putting an end to slavery and sex trafficking around the world. Violence against the most vulnerable children and women around the world. And, and when we open up an office in Romania and put on the work of, of, of combating sex trafficking and labor trafficking in Eastern Europe, it feels right to be able to do that work. And then a, a war breaks out in Ukraine and millions of refugees are coming to the border, spilling over the border into Romania. And so when my colleagues in Romania who are there to do the work of working with governments to put an end to sex trafficking and labor trafficking, pause on their work and utilize their resources to care for the refugees that are pouring over the border, 
It feels right. There is something about doing the work of making things right and good and just in the world. Sadly, I've been through uh, many, many churches preaching about justice and have seen church after church fail to understand the full story of this gospel. In fact, many leaders and Christians have even called into question the very work of justice. In essence, they have asked the question of what good is the work of justice and mercy if we are not preaching the gospel? They say to me, what good is freeing someone from slavery if you don't preach to them the gospel? That to me feels like a half story understanding of the gospel. A full story understanding of the gospel, I think, actually asks the inverted question. The, the, the half story says, what good is freeing someone from slavery if I don't preach to them the gospel? The full story understanding of the gospel instead asks, what good is preaching salvation if we don't also make things right and good and just in the world that God has created? How could I preach Jesus as their spiritual savior if I care nothing about their spiritual life? This is what Jesus says in the parable of the sheep and the goats when he says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of the least of these, you did for me. And he says the inverse as well. Whatever you did not do for the one of the least of these, you did not do for me. It is not one or the other. It is a commitment to both. It's a commitment to the fullness of the story of the gospel, salvation and justice. I'll end with this one story. I was preaching at a church and there was a pastor, it was a room full of pastors, and there was one pastor who sort of showed his skepticism about what we were saying, that half-story understanding of the gospel, and wondering about where do we begin the work of preaching the gospel? You know, yeah, 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 I hear all this justice stuff, but what about the gospel? And, you know, I understand that, you know, he feels differently about this than I do. He has a different theology. Um, but at the end of the session, again, room full of about 30 pastors, this one, pa uh, this one pastor said, invites all of the pastors in the room and say, can we just come up and can we pray for the work of international justice mission? And so, yeah, you may disagree theologically with what we do, but we are still doing the work of freeing people from slavery. In fact, we are the largest anti-slavery organization in the world. And when that pastor invited everyone in the room to come up and pray for the work of freeing these people from slavery, that person who disagreed with me theologically stayed in his chair. So understand this. He could not bring himself. He was so locked into this half story of the gospel that he had no room for justice. He had no room for goodness, no room for righteousness, bringing peace and mercy into this world because it did not include just this fallen redemption narrative. That you have literal boys on boats, girls in brothels, families in factories, crying out for justice, crying out for a good God to intervene. And a half-story understanding of the gospel says, well, what does that have to do with me? A full-story understanding of the gospel says that we must be the people of righteousness. We must be the people of goodness. We must be the people of justice. In this church, in our workplace, in our families, in our communities, in our schools, we must be the ones who do that work of renewal. Why? Because that's why we were saved. 
not just from our sins, but also for the work of renewal because it is the reestablishment of the created order that we have received in the full story of the gospel. So today, brothers and sisters, let us be people of goodness and people of righteousness and people of justice because that is what God created us to be. Amen? Let's pray. I'm going to just invite you to just spend about 15 to 30 seconds in silence in your chair. You can pray reflectively. And what I encourage you to do is maybe there was something that was stirring in your heart. Maybe there was a situation. Maybe there's a person that comes to mind. Maybe there's a, a family that is hurting. Maybe there is a, an unjust situation in your community. Whatever it may be, maybe there's something that came to mind. And I would just encourage you to spend these next moments in prayer and reflection and commitment to God for these things. And then I'll close for us. Lord, we come to you today, we, we are grateful for this time that you have given us a perspective on the scripture, a, a broader understanding of what maybe we have been taught, certainly what I have been taught for many, many years. God, may we understand the full story and the full context of the scriptures and the gospel, Lord, that it is not just about my individual sins and my salvation through Christ on the cross but I fit into the greater purpose of what you created me for and what you have saved me for, the good work of renewal. So Lord, may we be a people, may we be a church, may we be a community that does not just focus on being saved from sins, but being saved for the work of renewal as well. God, may this church be known here in this place and in our communities be known, may this church be known for being a church that does that work of renewal. Lord, thank you for this time, and please make it so in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.